Welcome to this month's episode of The Skin Check. The Skin Check with Jen is a monthly segment hosted by me as an opportunity for low ultraviolet ambassadors and other skin cancer advocates to have a platform where they can share their story, offer advice, and also show support for others. So today I'm really excited to introduce you to Laura Sofin. Laura is a Midwesterner. Uh, she grew up in the state of Michigan and along with her husband and dog, she now calls Chicago home. She created an Instagram account last fall with her sister, Rebecca, who is a dermatology PA. Their account, the Sun Safety Sisters, shares skin cancer education, sun safety tips, their favorite UPF clothing items, and more. So Laura, I want to thank you so much for being here today. And I want to start out by, I always really want to emphasize that we are all more than our cancer story. So in your own words, can you tell us a little bit more about you before we start talking about your melanoma diagnosis and history? Sure. Jen, before I get started with my story, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've been listening to this podcast for the past couple of months, and your segment has been really helpful with getting to connect with other people in the melanoma community, um, you know, yourself and other people that you've had in this podcast. So I just want to say thank you for having me and just everything that you do for the melanoma community. It means a lot. So thank you. Um, so you had a nice intro. Like you said, I, um, live in Chicago with my husband and our dog Aspen, who is a pit bull. And I am a speech language pathologist. I work at an inpatient hospital, um, inpatient rehab hospital in the city. Um, so I work a lot with patients who've had strokes, um, brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, um, and in my free time, I like to teach and practice yoga. Um, and I also like to take my dog Aspen for walks around the city and explore new areas. Yeah. Uh, watching your Instagram stories makes me miss Chicago so much. So, um, like you said, it, this podcast, not only for other people listening, is it a great way to connect, but, um, I have really loved just getting to know people a little bit better, but then just really being able to share their stories so other people can make those connections and find people with similar experiences as they've had. It's super helpful in just kind of healing and not feeling like you're going through all of it alone. Yeah, I agree. So then in January of 2022, you noticed some changes to an existing mole that you had, and then that led you to make an appointment with your current dermatologist. Tell us a little bit more about that appointment and how did you know that something wasn't right? And then what happened after that appointment? So I had been going to a dermatologist ever since high school. So, um, you know, over 15 years now, I've been going annually just because I have a family history of melanoma. My grandma had it. Um, and, you know, I, that definitely got me in tune with my moles. Um, and earlier in 2021, I had a dermatology appointment with a new derm in Chicago. It wasn't a good appointment. It wasn't thorough given my family history. Um, and so I kind of just left that appointment with a pit in my stomach and kind of realized that I needed to be my own advocate at that point. And that's when I really started to do those monthly self exams just to make sure, you know, if anything is changing to go see a dermatologist um, earlier than that annual appointment. And so in early of January 2022, I did notice this mole underneath my right breast starting to change. Um, and really to the average person, it probably wouldn't have raised a red flag, but because I was so in tune to my moles, um, it did 
cause some concern. It was, you know, the size of an eraser on a pencil and the center just started to get a little bit darker. And so I thought, you know, whatever, I'll go at my nine month mark, get it checked out. Everything will be fine. Um, and so I actually had just moved to Milwaukee uh, with my husband at that time. So I went to a new dermatologist and she took a look at it and she was like, yeah, I think, I think we should take it off. Um, so they did a biopsy and then within a week later she called and I'll never forget that phone call. And Jen, I'm sure you can relate Mm -hmm. to this and anyone who's had that phone call from their dermatologist, but, um, hearing the word melanoma, um, on the phone was definitely life changing. You know, I was driving home from work and it was like one of those moments where I'm hearing what someone's saying, but I'm not processing it at all. And the rest of the drive home too, it was just like, I couldn't tell you what happened. Mm -hmm. I was just so concerned and anxious about what was to come. Um, my wide excision to, remove the melanoma and the cancer cells was scheduled, um, the following week. And so I had my surgery February 15th, 2022. So coming up on almost two years now. Um, and yeah, anyone who's had a wide excision, it was just, you know, you're numbed up in that area, but it's such a weird sensation to just like feel it and, and laying there, you know what's going on. You know they're cutting into you. They're you know they're stitching you up, and so it's just like an uncomfortable feeling. And you know my team in Milwaukee is is really great. The dermatologist and the assistant there, and they really saw me as a person and not a patient, and that really helped me get through not only that surgery, you know that initial diagnosis and surgery, but really all my appointments ever since then. Um, you know, like I said, I'm getting to my two year mark this month. And I'm still going back to Milwaukee to see my dermatologist there. Granted, I've realized it's time now that I've moved back to Chicago and I've lived here again for a year and a half. Um, it's probably time to find a dermatologist in Chicago. So I'm actually going to see a new one starting in May um, through Northwestern, which I'm really excited about. Um, but yeah, that is, you know, my melanoma story. And, um, you know, Things have changed for the better since then. Obviously, I've started taking sun safety a lot more seriously um, since then. And um, that's something we could talk about more. Yeah. And even before we get into that, there's a few things that you said that I just really want to make sure that we highlight. And I think the first one is even though it wasn't the reason that you ended up changing dermatologists, you just felt like with the previous one, it was very fast. I think you had mentioned at one point, the entire skin check was maybe a minute and a half. And that just doesn't, even if you don't have a history of skin cancer, it just doesn't feel thorough. And having dermatologists in your family, you know that it should be more than that. Um, But sometimes I think we don't trust ourselves, especially in medical situations, or we ignore that gut feeling. And then when you went to the one in Milwaukee, it's so important to feel like we're seen as a person and a whole patient and not just a number because they are seeing a lot of people and there's a lot of appointments, but especially when you're dealing with melanoma or even severely atypical moles, it's really serious things. And it's really important that they're able to be able to see us as people and not just a number and take the time and explain those things and go through them and really make us feel seen and supported. 
Right. And just to go off of that, I mean, I, I get that being a healthcare provider, um, you know, making sure that my patients are seen and they're heard and they get their questions answered and, you know, we problem solve together. And, you know, I, the fact that I was able to then switch roles and be the patient, like I realize how important that is. So, you know, not only has this been a personal growth, but growth, but it's also been a professional growth too, because it does make me more mindful of what my patients are going through and to really support them the best that I can to help in their recovery, because it just makes a world's difference when you treat someone like a person and not a patient. And when going through really big issues, um, you know, it doesn't have to be just cancer, but in this specific situation with melanoma, it is. You mentioned when you got that phone call, like you remember nothing else from the rest of that drive home. And I had a very similar experience. I was at work, but I don't also remember how I got home. And then you had your excision just a week later. So that's a very short time span. And from a health perspective, it's important that we have it done fast. And in a way, it's comforting. Let's take care of it and get through this and let's treat it and take care of ourselves as much as we can. But we don't really have the time to process that. So then all of a sudden, it's gone, you get pathology reports, whatever they may be. But we're still processing just hearing the words like you have melanoma or you have cancer a quick break to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by low ultraviolet low ultraviolet is a safe and fashionable upf 50 plus clothing brand on a mission to educate and protect the public from skin cancer you can use code podcast 15 at checkout for 15 percent off your order at lowultraviolet.com offer valid one per customer now, let's get back to today's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it, you know, it takes a lot of support and patience um, and giving yourself permission to just process those feelings and emotions. Um, because if we don't, then, you know, that prolongs um, really the the pain and anxiety that that goes along with that diagnosis. And I think having those healthcare providers that see us as a person really helps at the beginning of the process, just feeling more supported, understanding what we're going through. And I think it helps us to get through and then be able to really focus on like the healing part when that's like when we get through the surgery and the treatment um, also. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a process. And I think, um, you know, for everyone, everyone's recovery is different, right? Based on where their melanoma is at, where their excision was at, the stage that they're at. It's just, you know, if you ever know anyone going through that, it's just being supportive for that person and, um, you know, helping out any way you can, whether that's physically or emotionally, because, um, I can tell you personally, and so can you, Jen, that it it means a lot when people are there to support you in hard times. Mm -hmm. And another thing I know that really also helped both of us, um, you actually even mentioned during your excision that meditation played a big part of just helping deal with some of the anxiety that was happening during the procedure. But meditation and yoga are like two really big parts of your life. How did those things help you, not just when you were in that excision, but then really with the emotional impact after the diagnosis. 
Yeah. So during that excision, I did ask the assistant to put on meditation music um, just because I was starting to get into my own head. I was getting nervous. I could just feel like I was sweating and getting tense and I just need to focus on my breathing. Um, and I started to talk to the um, assistant. I said, I really enjoy meditation. I teach yoga on the side. And she was telling me that she also teaches yoga. And we found out that we taught at the same yoga studio, just in different cities. Um, and so that just really helped just like distract me from that procedure. But, you know, yoga and meditation are part of this bigger toolbox for me in terms of taking care of my mental health. Um, and there's a lot of other things that go into that box for me. And, um, but, you know, those two things in particular are very important. They're ones that I do prioritize on a daily, weekly basis. And it's something that allows me to be more centered, be more present, connect with myself, connect with my breath and really help manage anxiety and stress, not only on a day to day basis, but also on those, you know, really hard, stressful times, like getting a melanoma diagnosis. And so um, that's something that I really lean into daily, but more so during that time frame in early 2022. And, you know, unfortunately, after that excision, I couldn't practice yoga for a little bit, you know, you're not supposed to exercise for a few weeks and where that scar is at with different yoga postures, like up dog, for example, if you do yoga, Jen, or anyone listening, like, you know, that stretches out your stomach and your chest and where that incision was, it, you know, right on my rib cage, it felt so funny to be doing that pose. It didn't feel comfortable. And so I just, you know, I had to learn how to modify certain things and, and that was okay. You know, at first I was like, I'm, you know, maybe things aren't the same, but I'm able to do other things that feel good in my body and feel good for my mind. So yeah, those are great tools. And I know everyone has their own toolbox, maybe yoga and meditation don't work for some. And I just, you know, encourage anyone who's listening to figure out what works for you and take care of your mental health because it is so important. Um, and just encouraging you to find something um, that really supports you in mental health. I think even going into the procedure, sometimes it's helpful to know, um, like you maybe didn't expect to experience anxiety during it, but you knew yourself well enough to know that the meditation was going to help you. And I think also, I mean, if you've never had an excision, you really don't know what to expect. And to be awake for it is a very surreal thing and then there's sort of that like you can't feel it but you can feel it where you're numbed up so you can't feel what they're actually doing but you can feel the tugging and the stitching and I know for my my first melanoma because it was stage 1b they also did lymph node so I was out and so then when I had my second melanoma occurrence it was an in situ and so I was awake for that one but that wasn't even my expectation. Um, I actually really thought that I was going to be put under. And so it was actually a really traumatic experience to be awake. And actually it was um, on my stomach. And so I could have looked down and seen it happening. And I didn't, not that I wanted to see it, but um, those things, it's so important to have those different things in our toolbox that we know, like help us keep calm or just even, ways that we can be prepared going into those moments because a lot of it, it's brand new. And that's another reason why sharing these stories is so important because it's things that we never think about until we're in there and we wish we had known after and want other people to be aware of. 
Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, it's such a whirlwind once you first get that diagnosis. And so, you know, you're still processing that and then you're jumping right into getting it removed. And so being able to connect with people who have been through that to help prepare you um, can be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little bit earlier, you mentioned both your grandmother had melanoma, but then also your sister, Rebecca, who um, she's a dermatology PA, and then she's the other half of the Sun Safety Sisters. Um, she's had melanoma too. So knowing that um, your husband actually has a couple of dermatologists in his family. So I think people would probably expect like you kind of knew what to look for with the mole. Um, people would probably expect that, you know, you were really sun safe, really like conscious of sunscreen and all of the things. Um but we also never think it's going to happen to us. We all feel invincible, especially when we're younger. I know I did. What was your relationship with the sun and protecting your skin like before your diagnosis? And then how has it changed since then? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, Before my diagnosis, I definitely did not take sun safety seriously. I didn't even know the term, to be honest. Um, All throughout my teens and early 20s, you know, tanning was something that I did a lot. I, you know, I'm from Michigan, like you had mentioned earlier, and we have such a short window each year to be outside in warm weather. And I think in a way, people who live in the Midwest or colder parts in the country, we tend to do this like binge tan where we're like, oh, this is our, this is our time to get sun and vitamin D. Um, And so we, we don't protect ourselves. Um, and in the winter months, we crave sunshine, we crave warmth, um, we maybe crave that tan. And so that led me to go to tanning beds, unfortunately, starting in high school. Um, and at a very young age, you know, my mom had to sign a waiver for me because I was a minor at the time. And, um, you know, that obviously should have raised red flags. But like you said, when you're younger, you just don't think about those things. And I knew my grandma had melanoma. And, you know, it's interesting because, like I said earlier, I started to, started to see a dermatologist annually um, when I was in high school. And it's it's so ironic because I'm like, oh, I, I saw a dermatologist. Like I, I did do that step at least, but it was kind of like going to the appointments and it was like, great, everything's good. I'm going to go back to my tanning again. It was kind of like this check, check off for the year. Nothing, you know, nothing's wrong. I would have, you know, occasional biopsies just because they're like, oh, this looks a little funky, but nothing ever came back abnormal. Um, and you know, my sister, Rebecca, the dermatology PA, she was diagnosed with the melanoma on her back in 2020. Um, and you know, even then I, I wish I could say I took sun safety seriously. I definitely was starting to head in the right direction. Like I wasn't intentionally laying out at that time, but I definitely wasn't as mindful of wearing sunscreen daily, seeking shade, wearing protective clothing. Um, and so with my diagnosis then, and in 2022, um, you know, that all changed after that. Um, and really for the better. Um, and I'm really grateful that I have those supportive people in my life, you know, my sister. And then, as you mentioned, the three dermatologists on my husband's side, you know, having this network of derms to go to when I have questions, want to bounce ideas off of, you know, having that support system is huge. And I understand that everyone has, um, 
that privilege or that access. And I, I understand that, but it is, you know, for me, I, I do really appreciate it and I don't take it for granted. Um, cause it does really help me cope with this diagnosis for sure. Um, but you know, that first summer, Jen, and I'm sure you can relate to some extent is, was really hard for me. Um, you know, that, that excision happened in February of 2022. And then that May we went as a family to Hawaii. And that was the first time I was like, out in the sun again. And I was very anxious. I didn't know how to have a healthy relationship with the sun because in the past it was like, the sun is out. I have my bathing suit on. I'm going to lay by the pool. I'm going to lay out on my back porch. Um, and so it was a time that brought on a lot of stress and anxiety. And that was really hard for me to explain that to people that didn't understand where I was coming from and didn't understand my diagnosis. Um, so that was, you know, that first summer was a little bit rough, but again, I'm really grateful that I had my sister because having her background knowledge and having her melanoma, we were able to send each other links on UPF clothing, sunscreen that worked for us. And it just became this like back and forth communication of, you know, I got this LL Bean um, swimsuit cover up, like you should get it too. And it's just like, you know, we already buy the same clothes already. So I was like, great, like more time, like more ways for us to like match and wear the same thing. Like how cool. Um, and so that was really yeah. great where I was like, I started to learn that I could be out in the sun, you know, in moderation, but, you know, practicing sun safety. Um, and, you know, it's an investment, right? It's like, you're spending time researching different products, different companies, um, you know, clothes that are going to be functional and protective. And so, and then also the, the cost of the clothes too, you know, it's like, I, I almost like had to revamp my wardrobe in a way where I'm like, I need a long sleeve shirt that has UPF 50 in it, or I want a swimsuit that has UPF 50. I want a hat that has it too. And so, um, I just really made it a priority to make that change. Um, and so that's really how it has changed is just prioritizing sun safety, and not just in the summertime, because I think that's what people usually think, but all year round. Like I leave mm -hmm. for work at 730 in the morning every day. The sun is just coming up and I leave work around four in Chicago with the buildings. Like the sun's <laughs> kind of covered. I still wear sunscreen because I'm sitting by windows sometimes mm -hmm. during the day treating patients. And it's just like, I just, I always have it on my body now. And that's one of the biggest things is that. I'm always, every single day I'm thinking about protecting my skin um, and what I can do differently to protect myself. Yeah. And speaking of like those common misconceptions as far as like that you don't have to wear sunscreen in the winter or if it's cloudy, I think a lot of times people don't think of skin cancer or melanoma as something that happens in cold weather states either. Um, they think it's like warm weather states or um, countries that have warmer climates like Australia. And so you and I, and along with like some of the other people that have been on the podcast, like we know that that's not true. And we're actually proof that this isn't the case. Do you think there's ways that living in the Midwest may have impacted your view of sun safety before you were diagnosed with melanoma? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think about, you know, people living in other states, warmer climates, you know, you have access to the sun most of the year. So it's kind of like you have it, so you're not craving it as much. Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, you have this window of time of like this excessive outdoor 
hangouts and tanning. And so, you know, I think it's just a different, you know, people approach the the sun and the warm weather differently in the Midwest than they do in, in Southern states, um, just because we don't have access to it all year round. Yeah. And so speaking of that, like talking about misconceptions, um, and this is a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, what is the biggest change that you would like to see in regards to melanoma and skin cancer? The biggest change that I would like to see is that people not only understand and learn about sun safety, but start to implement it in their daily routines or daily lives, that they start to take it more seriously and understand the risk of skin cancer. Um, you know, it happens in one out of five Americans mm-hmm. by the age of 70. And so it's it's something that is preventable. It's one of the most preventable forms of cancer. It shows up on our skin. It shows up on our body. So it's so easily detected. And why aren't we doing things for ourselves to prevent it if we can? Um, Grant, I know in some cases you can't, but a, a large majority of cases you can prevent skin cancer. And another thing I would like to see change is just the tanning bed culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's big in warmer states, but I know in the Midwest it's still pretty popular, unfortunately, um, during these winter months when it's cold and people are craving warmth. Um, but just seeing a change in that, you know, whether it's banning minors or banning tanning beds altogether, um, you know, there's proof that it links to skin cancer and melanoma. And so, you know, why haven't we done things? And and I know states are um, implementing different laws and regulations around tanning beds, but, you know, that's just one thing I would like to see change is that people understanding the damage that tanning beds can do um, to your skin. Um, So I would say, you know, those are the the two main things. And then just to get familiar with your own body, your own skin. I mean, because I was watching my skin closely, that's why I went to see a dermatologist. And so you are your own advocate at the end of the day. If you see something funny, if you see something that's changing or different, you know, ask your dermatologist to take a look. Um, So yeah, just monthly exams, get familiar, familiar with your skin, take pictures, take notes of anything that looks unusual. And then if you've never seen a dermatologist, schedule one, make sure you see one every year. It should be routine, just like any of your other appointments, you know, your annual physical, seeing a dentist two times a year. It's just something that should be a priority um, in, in terms of just taking care of your health. So those are the main things I'd like to see changed. Laura, I think those are all such great reminders. And I just really want to thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. Um, For anyone who is listening, where can they find you if they would like to connect and learn more? They can find us at at Sun Safety Sisters. Um, As you mentioned, it's myself and my sister, and we share sun safety tips, um, our favorite UPF clothing, products, and more. So follow along just to learn more about how to protect yourself from the sun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, Jen. Appreciate your time.